0: Our sermon takes us to John chapter 1, verses 29 through 41. Please stand as we read the gospel. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen... And I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. perhaps the most beautiful name for Jesus that we see in all of Scripture we see today. John could have called Jesus a lot of things. He could have said, look, here comes the chosen one. He could have said, look, here comes the peace bringer. Look, here comes the Lord Almighty. But instead... He said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's a title that resonates with us today in 2023. And it would have been a title that would have resonated with those people back at the time of John. And really, going back even further, somebody being called the Lamb of God would have had an impact in order to see what type of impact that that would have, we go back to Exodus. To the time in which Jesus hadn't come yet, and they didn't know the name for Jesus. Yes, brothers and sisters, we're going to go back to Exodus way back in the Old Testament. And I don't know about you, but I've definitely talked to people that don't like to do a whole lot of Old Testament reading. They look back and they say, no, 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 let's just, let's just get to Matthew. Let's just, let's, we'll go to Matthew, and then that's when we find the Jesus that we really want to hear about. And I think it's often because there's a, there's a tremendous misunderstanding about the Old Testament and how God is using some, some pretty terrifying, some sometimes ugly imagery to allow his people to understand the gravity of their sin so that they can better understand how he was going To remove their sin from them. And so we look at the Lamb of God. The Lamb that first presents himself back in Exodus. The people of Israel were stuck in the kingdom of Egypt. They were enslaved. They were captives there. And God had said, okay, now is the time for my people to leave. Except there was Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh. You're not going to take my workers away so fast. And so God, through his servant Moses, kept going back to Pharaoh saying, it's time to let him go, it's time to let him go. And Pharaoh wanted nothing to do with it. And so we started to see the plagues come upon the people of Egypt. Each plague affecting some different aspects of the Egyptian lifestyle, all up until we got to that final plague where Pharaoh had dug his heels in and said, I will absolutely not let your people go. And God says, I will do whatever it takes to get them. And so he sends the angel of death to go to each and every house in the land of Egypt to strike down the firstborn. But for the people of Israel, God says, today you are going to kill a lamb, a spotless, perfect lamb, innocent family lamb lamb, one for each family or one for each cluster of people and you're going to eat the lamb and you're going to take the blood and you're going to put it on the doorway and while all of these things might have sounded bizarre to you and I in 2023 they understood the significance they understood that that it wasn't the lamb that was saving them but that it was a picture a picture that pointed them forward and so then we fast forward from that time in which God uses the blood of the lamb to free his people from Egypt to save them from the angel of death. We fast forward to Leviticus and we see God instituting all sorts of offerings, the, the peace offering, the guilt offering, the burnt offering, all of these offerings that God gives to his people. He says, you're going you're to do these things and they're not always going to be pretty But he gives them for a reason. He tells them to to engage in this animal sacrifice for a reason so that they would understand what sin caused. They were to understand the the gravity of their sin. And that they would understand that God would not allow sin to stand. I want you to, to try to put yourself in their shoes your family and there's a a mom and a dad and and maybe you're one of the kids one of the few kids that's going up to jerusalem and you're making your way from from your hometown and you're headed to jerusalem and and you all know why you're going there maybe to celebrate the passover to make make this sacrifice and on your walk as you're walking there maybe each each person in the family takes a turn carrying this lamb that is, that is following you behind. Mom holds the lamb for a little while, carries it there. Dad takes the lamb in his arm and, and carries it there. Each of the kids maybe tries their best to pick up the lamb and, and carry it with them, and, and maybe they even grow attached to the lamb. And then they get to Jerusalem, and, and maybe the mood gets a little more somber. Maybe the faces start to fall a little bit as, as people realize just exactly what they're doing there. And as you're making your approach to the temple, that's when dad picks up the lamb and says, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him now. And he walks into the temple, into the courtyard, and there are the priests, the priests whose job it was to day in and day out make intercession for the people and offer these sacrifices. And dad takes the lamb inside and has to do the work of of cutting the lamb's throat. And the blood winds up on the altar, and they burn the lamb completely. Is there any way that emotion, that all five of the senses would not be impacted by this sight? Is there any way that you would ever, whether you were 80 or whether you were 8, would you ever forget something like that? The ugliness, the brutality... Brothers and sisters, that was God's way of showing it takes ugliness. It takes brutality to overcome the ugliness of sin. God had a purpose for all of these things. For all of the lambs that were slaughtered. And it was so that the people of that time, who might not ever live to see the day in which Jesus Christ would come, They could keep looking forward. And they could keep seeing that idea that remained true at the time of Christ. It takes blood, innocent blood, to atone for sin. Now I ask, was it truly the blood of the lambs that saved those people? No. No, for that you have to look to our reading today. When John says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It was going to be ugly. The walk to the cross was ugly. The Lamb of God, this innocent, blemishless Lamb of God hanging on the cross, was ugly. If there is one thing that we learn from that name, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is that the work that Jesus was here to do to dispel the terror of sin from our lives was ugly. I knew this, this uh, woman out in, in California and, and one thing that she really didn't like was she didn't like any of the pictures that showed Jesus on the cross. It was just too much to bear. Like she didn't even want to think about it, she didn't want to look at it, she didn't want to see the blood and the gore because she thought it was grotesque. That's what our sin causes. It causes it in our daily lives. We look around and we see some of the things that we do to people that we do to God Himself and we go, that is grotesque. The things that I, I do before my Lord are so often so ugly. And so in order to remove that stain, God was willing to sacrifice the lamb. The perfect, innocent lamb who had done nothing wrong. And yet, according to Colossians, was able to make it so that you and I would be forgiven of our sins. It says, he he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. I think there are times in this world where we want what I call Buddy Jesus. We want Buddy Jesus who's going to put his arm around us and walk with us in this life. We want Buddy Jesus who's going to pat us on the head and say, it's oh, it's okay. We want Buddy Jesus who's going to do the, the healing, who's going to make the pain go away, who's going to save us from cancer. Brothers and sisters, don't settle for Buddy Jesus. Settle for nothing less than the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Settle for nothing less than the Savior who intervenes in your life to rip the sin out of it by the root, so that you can stand before your God with His perfection covering over you. I think back to when I would play uh, when I played football in high school. I wasn't very good. Uh, I was one time I was pushed to the ground, tackled, you might say, uh, and my knee got skinned really, really badly. And me, as a, as a high school student, I wasn't too worried about it, and so I just, I just left it. And I left it. Two or three days later, it got red, and the joint started to hurt, and all of the skin around my knee started to get really, really hot. And then I went into the trainer, and he said, of course, it's infected. The trainer didn't give me ibuprofen and say, well, I'll make the hurt go away. The trainer didn't say, well, let's call your mom, she'll kiss it and say everything's going to be fine. The trainer didn't say, well, let's get one of your teammates in here to put his arm around you and and really show his love to you by supporting you in this time of your life. The trainer said, we need antiseptic, hydrogen peroxide, neosporin. Let's do the hard, difficult, painful work of removing the scab from the top and pouring the things on it that would actually remove the infection. Brothers and sisters, that's the Savior you've got. The Lamb of God who is willing to come into this world and and take your problem of sin head on and take it upon himself. He's not Buddy Jesus. No, all of those things are, are wonderful aspects of our Savior but the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that's the Savior we needed. That's the Savior that sets us free. That's the Savior that actually gives us the ability in life to face things like cancer head on. That's the Savior that gives us the ability to face joblessness head on. That's the Savior that gives us the ability to face death. Head on. Because when he's removed sin, not just now, not just today, not just this week, but forever and all eternity, it takes the concern of our life, the only concern in our life that really matters, and he says, I'm going to take that on myself. You can deal with all the other stuff going on in your life, but I've got this. And the reaction to that, did did you see how the disciples reacted? Because don't get me wrong, we could have just ended after that one verse. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that would be enough for like ten sermons. But check out how this ends. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. This right here is outreach at its finest. We've spent the last couple weeks talking in Peace Academy about how we could possibly be doing outreach here at Peace. How can we, how can we reach the next generation? How can, we, how can we spread our church into the community so that people can have the same real peace for real people that you and I have? Andrew doesn't really seem to complicate it too much. He doesn't come with eloquent words, persuasive words, words that will win every argument that he could face down. No, he said, come and see. And then John the Baptist, his message, just look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The world. It doesn't just say, look, the Lamb of God who who takes away the sin of peace Lutheran, who takes away the sin of the right people, the right kinds of people, the sins of the world. When Christ's true Lord, God and man, is put to death, it doesn't just cover my sins, it doesn't cover your sins, it covers the sins of the entire world. It's called objective justification. And it is a tragedy that there are people out there that don't know what their Savior has done for them, who do not have the faith that you and I have, that gift of faith that gives us the ability to latch onto that. Brothers and sisters, they're out there. The people for whom Christ died, the people for whom Christ made the sacrifice, and they got no idea. We get to say, look, the Lamb of God who takes away my sin and your sin. Oh, no, no, no. He doesn't minimize it. He doesn't say your sins are okay. He says your sins are grievous. He says when your sins are ugliest, your sins are mine placed on the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. May that peace allow us to live our lives not in fear, but in confidence. Amen.